0: You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we talk to interesting people with interesting tastes in music about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and this week for our season premiere, we are speaking with Coburg-based rock and roll duo Cleo Patrick. Cleopatra are a loud and hard hitting group who, through a lot of hard work, killer singles, and amazing EPs, have been winning over the hearts and minds of rock and roll fans around the world over the last few years. They are gearing up to release their debut studio album, so we're very excited to have Ian and Luke with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thank
1: you. Let's go. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, and just because there's there's two of you, I want to see if I can get you guys to, to introduce yourselves
2: and say what you do in Cleopatra. My name is Ian Fraser, and I play drums in Cleopatra.
1: <clears throat> and my name is Luke Gruntz, and I sing and I play guitar.
0: Love it. Love it. Uh, we're going to kick off by talking about... Uh, a tune off your upcoming record so in the sort of description of it that i was reading in the press release for the album it seems like there, there's an element of it that uh, we're, so we're, we're going to talk about family van and um it seems like it was at least like the sort of the emotion behind it was sort of inspired by someone ripping off a song of yours i kind of don't really feel the need to dwell on that all that much i'm interested more in like how that turns into what to me at least seems like a more sentimental song about just like you know the grind of the road.
1: Yeah, it, you know it's exactly that. I think I think that the the song in in the beginning came out as like a like a little therapeutic exercise in anger kind of thing, but has has you know in a kind of poetic way it's changed and it's resolved into like this song that makes me think of of you know being in the family van with Ian and our tour manager jake um and uh also it makes me think of like this audience that we've built that i mean we've been playing that song live for a while now right and people have really like i don't know it's it's kind of one of the first times in in our career where we've had a song that isn't out that people like know the words to and like there was covers going up online before it was put out and damn yeah, it's it's cool. Like it, it, has become a much more sweet meaning, and it's definitely a highlight of our sets. It's it's just
2: a cool, cool song.
0: Ian, what do you uh, what do you miss about the road? Assuming you miss anything about the road. <laughs> oh, everything,
2: everything. I don't know. I think there was a, a a pretty mutual moment between Luke and I on one of our earliest real tours where we kind of discovered how much we loved just touring and, and kind of that experience of kind of just going and, and it's, it's kind of an uncertain thing in moments. Uh, it can be miserable in moments, but in general, it's one of the most, uh, liberating and exciting parts of my life, I think. And, uh, I, yeah, just, uh, I miss everything about it, honestly, right. most mostly meeting new people and, and totally hanging out and not being scared to be in public. But, right. uh, yeah.
0: Well, certainly it seems like, you know, like the rise that you guys have had, like, you don't see it often, in my opinion, at least, where, where you see bands with like as meteoric of a rise as you guys seem to have had. Like, I, talk to me about the, just kind of how that's felt for you, kind of, you know, going from, as you've said in past interviews, like playing to 10 people to, you know, just building and building and building and building over time, but, but really kind of getting to a point where you know people are doing covers of your songs on the internet like that's crazy
1: it's been a trip <laughs> and, like the thing that that uh magnifies it even more is like being where we're from right like didn't have a music scene growing right. up didn't have any like original band role models in this town um so it's been weird as fuck in the best <laughs> yeah. way and i yeah. think that it's been cool like Think for things to happen in the way that they have, um, almost uh, gave us an edge where like we were so shocked by it, we made all the right choices by accident. Like, mm. like we kept things small, and and we were like so shocked by um, this growth that we we didn't want to make any big decisions early on. Yeah, like wh- one of the first things that happened to us was we got we got offered a major label contract sitting at a table in in Sneaky D's in Toronto eating nachos, and it was like i had I had never spoken to someone at a major label, let alone received an offer before right um and uh but we were so we were so terrified of it. It was like three weeks into hometown being a uh, a song that people were listening to that uh it it um it was cool like we we just chickened out and we didn't make that wrong call, which i I believe so firmly today would have been like the wrong decision for us, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and there, there, there's something that I've, that I've heard you guys sort of express in, in like past interviews, which is that like, you guys are kind of doing rock and roll for the right reasons, um, you know, and, and you don't, and you don't kind of want to be one of these bands that's like just trying to churn out hits to get played in car commercials and stuff like that. Um, like Ian, how do you sort of keep a level head with that? Like where, you know, you have this huge song that's getting like X number of millions of plays, you have people covering your stuff. Um, you know, you have labels offering you stuff over nachos at Sneaky D's. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's gotta, it's gotta be kind of hard to keep a level head. eh?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think just the fact that, you know, kind of what Luke was saying that we were a little bit scared of the whole thing. Uh, we kind of, the decisions we made kind of allowed us to take things slowly and we really only wanted to do things like touring that kind of felt like they would build, uh, the band and character. Um, so I think it's like, it has to do with the people we've surrounded ourselves with, like, you know, Luke and I, we're, we're pretty open with each other and we, we, ha- there's a lot of, there's been a lot of dialogue, you know, over the last few years. And, uh, yeah, I think it really, you know, I, I think we're just kind of, it, it has to do with so many things like where we're from and and who we affiliate with. And I think, you know, we surround ourselves with good people who allow us to to be scared of making the wrong decisions, and uh, right. and it just feels okay to not uh, rush into things. So I guess, yeah, I think I think I like to credit that a lot to you know our, our relationships with each other and and the people that we we trust the most. I think it really help help me stay leveled at least. Yeah, cool.
0: How about you, Luke?
1: Yeah, for sure. We've we've been so lucky to just have the right people around us and um, and like be given the time and the space to figure out what we want to do, like what kind of band we want to be. Like uh, we were just talking about this earlier that, that maybe in the beginning, like none of this was our goal. Like I never imagined us having our own label or like trying to stand for, you know, honest guitar music. I, I honestly imagined us doing whatever we can to uh, be signed to a label and play Wembley stadium like that that's kind of what my my goals were uh when i was a kid um but yeah like we, we were just given the time and the resources to think it all through and um i'm forever grateful for that um yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah.
0: We're going to get into um, a song by the Raconteurs. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Luke, I did, I did a little bit of Instagram sleuthing. I, I did, like, a deep dive on your page, saw you at, like, you know, posted a picture of, like, a Jack White concert, like, way back in the day. I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, with wow. A, <laughs> with all of, you know, with all of his whole body of work, um, why, why a tours song and, and why this song?
1: That song is so fucking dope because... It's like two songs stuck into one, and and the Jack White section where it like slows down and gets all like, I don't know, it just turns into like this sloshy, chunky thing. It's so badass. And like, I think that that was the, one of the first times Ian and I heard like a hip hop influence in rock music that wasn't corny as shit. Right. <laughs> and it, that was like really inspiring to us. Huge like, moment. The way... <laughs> Like <laughs> that thing is so like it's so insane that he went in the booth and did that um and yeah just like huge respect to that song yeah it's just a badass track
0: yeah because you know you, you've you've referenced the the hip-hop influence before and we're going to talk about kendrick lamar's song later and, and i can certainly sort of see what you know how that comes to play in your sound but how do you keep it from being corny like that because because you're so like that's such a quick line to cross where like You do one little thing and all of a sudden it's like, you know, new metal from the late 90s and it's just a bit, you know, cringy. And so how do you you kind of keep yourselves uh, in check with that?
2: I think that's something that we've always been like with this uh, journey of trying to find this sound that we kind of want uh, to affiliate ourselves with. We've kind of been very conscious of exactly that. And uh, now I like to look at it as more like, there's so, there's so many examples of like rock bands taking pieces of hip hop songs and it just becomes this corny mash of guitars and like, kind of not like, just, I don't know. It's the way I've always seen it is that it's not about um, bringing genres together, but it's more about taking like the DNA and like the, the, elements from those genres and like the more of the spirit of those genres and kind of bringing them into another genre. So it's like, it's really not like taking a, 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 a hip hop track and a rock track and like meshing them together. It's really just like thinking about what we like about, like, what is it about this hip hop track that really makes my head move? And like, what is it that, what really makes me feel like this is the kind of music I want to listen to? And I think it's like, it's really just about the spirit. And then, and I mean, it does translate a bit like in the actual Sonics as well, I think, but not to the point where it's, um, I would never say we're genre bending. I don't right, know. Right. That's definitely not the goal.
0: But um, yeah, it's it's just like the ethos that kind of influences it almost, like ra- rather than like specific Sonic elements.
1: Totally. Like it totally. would be it would be blatantly disrespectful for me to just like, try and rap on a song or something <laughs> yeah but but i can like keep my lyrics real and say them as i speak like you know and and really that is that's kind of the energy that when i listen to hip-hop i like about it it feels real as fuck and it feels like someone's speaking to you you know melodies kind of masked in there within the iambic pentameter um whoa and yeah yeah like... i was gonna fuck dude <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like definitely Definitely fuck genre bending.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's never genre bending. <laughs> well, but it is
0: also cool on like on the hip hop side where you see like rappers like you know, um like slow tie comes to mind as an example of someone who like like the, the punk rock ethos almost totally, totally. gets worked into his that stuff. track doorman yeah yeah man. as
1: like as if that's not a rock song like, it's a hip hop track but as if it's not a rock song as well. Yeah. It's it's and it's like he's not bending genres. Yeah. It's just an energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. There was this, um, like in the early days of the show, um, we used to have politicians on and, but only talking about music. And we had this one, um, member of provincial parliament who said it like to him, it sounded like joy division and it's kind of like, um, he said it sounded like disorder and it's kind of like a comparison that I haven't been able to let go of recently because like sonically it doesn't really, um, except it's maybe like a similar tempo, but like just the, the essence of it is so so in that too
1: that's sick that yeah. gave me chills actually <laughs>
0: Um, all right, so I, we're going to get on to Zig Mentality with Sesh On. Now, if I'm not mistaken, a member of this band produced your record. And I'm interested, like, I, I heard an interview where you guys were describing this, and, and you said that you kind of resisted the temptation to have some big-name producer produce this debut record for you. Um, and you wanted to just kind of really do it yourselves and then, and then involve, you know, a friend who you, who you admired. Why?
1: Yeah. Like um, we had a lot of options on the table options that we were so excited about too. Like it, it really wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't about like what they couldn't offer us, but it was more so about like really like honestly session is a great, a great example for this whole story because um, the record that that came from um, is, is what jig played us one night when we were chilling at his place, uh, just showing us like, and telling us about how they produced it themselves and, process and it just blew our minds the way it sounds it it was like exactly what we have been trying to sound like like it it was it was that thing um and truthfully like while it's also a great part of the story to record with your friend and it's a great vibe um really at, at the the foundation of it like there was just no other producers that we had in mind that had proof that they could get us the sound we wanted it was like kind of a guessing game and and a vibe game um but with with jig and zig and session it was like the door kind of opened up um and and we there was just suddenly a guy that knew how to do it
0: right i'm starting to like pick up on a bit of a, a bit of a trend here where it seems like you guys like all of the kind of like classic music industry like you know young green rock and roll dudes like all, all of these mistakes that people typically make and are usually told as cautionary tales, you kind of, um, uh, you kind of seem to have steered clear of them. I mean, I, I, can, I can think of so many bands that sort of jumped at the opportunity to produce with some big name producer, ended up not being happy with it and ended up being 10 times happier when they just did it with a friend. Um, what are some mistakes that, uh, that you guys have made and, and what did you learn from them?
2: It's a great question it's hard to say man because i i like i stand by this like a lot of what again like to go back to kind of the people we've surrounded ourselves with and being able to take our time there's been so many moments in this band that things have just timed out really well and i think the example with with jig like that like whole experience like i feel like that was the the moment that had to have happened and there's been this like weird level of Kind of serendipity with a lot of like a lot obviously a lot of hard work has been put into this band but there's also just been a lot of stuff that is really just um felt like fate and has really seemed to work out for us and it's hard to say like it's just i guess it's hard to say mistakes because everything that's maybe felt like a mistake has kind of ended up uh opening another door and kind of allowing us to grow yeah so it's hard for me to say i don't know if you have anything to add to that luke but
1: i i can say we definitely kind of fucked up on our taxes once
2: (laughs) 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 like because that's the lamest part about
1: music but yeah we uh and it's also it came from just being like kind of naive like we didn't realize um that our our success merited like getting business managers or like setting up a corporation and shit. Right. Oh my God. It's so lame to talk about this. Um, <laughs> no, but, but it's true. But, like you got to do it. Yeah. Like, so, Hey, any bands out there, if, if you're feeling like uh shit's clicking, you should think about the, the tax deadline. <laughs>
2: Respect.
0: Yeah. Good one. Word. There you go. Someone's got to say it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of what you're saying almost makes it seem like, It was just like a happy accident but i don't want to discount the work that that you guys put in like i know one of you um sort of found out who the uh some like spotify exec and like emailed them pretending to be a fan like i i heard that story and i was like yo dude like that that's a great idea like that's like such an impressive level of hustle what brought that about
1: yeah that's like now we have a team so like i don't i don't really grind like that anymore which is nice but pretty much for like the first however long of this band that's like all i did was just google shit and make giant notes in journals about like like i don't know people's names and like strategies for our band to be heard and so many of them never panned out so many emails sent to labels that were never answered and you know that's kind of part of the rite of passage i guess um well, yeah that that Spotify thing was like the one the one dub we caught yeah.
2: big dub
1: yeah <laughs>
2: I'm feeling sick, that's the feeling of soul.
0: All right, so next we're going to talk about the Heartless Romantics uh, Peterborough band. Uh, Peterborough's not far from Coburg. Um, Now, I'm curious, like, just on this topic. I mean, actually first, let me clarify. Is it close to Coburg?
2: It's like 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minute drive.
0: Okay. Um, Like, I'm interested in something kind of going back to something that you said earlier um, where, like, you didn't really have anyone to look up to. Like, did sort of as you expanded beyond your hometown did you did you start to sort of find that a little bit and then beyond that what do you like about this song
2: totally man that ties in perfectly with this song um love it because as we you know we we started to venture out we um we there was kind of like our 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 area of gigging was mainly oshawa and uh peterborough ontario and Peterborough was a place that we really found that music scene that we had never seen before. It was this crazy foreign thing to us where there were kids, awesome kids just coming to these tiny shows like in specifically this venue uh, called the Spill Cafe, which uh, no longer exists, unfortunately, was the greatest vessel for any band trying to make music with their friends. The, uh, The owner, Dave. He would let any band play. Like you, you would just you could call the bar and like he would be like, yeah, I'll book you in. And there was a community there, and it, it was amazing. So it was very sh- shortly after starting to play shows in Peterborough that we started to meet these new friends, and and that ties in with the song very well because uh, Heart- Heartless Romantics, previously uh, known as Connor Clarkin and the Residents, that was one of the bands that we we really like saw as like kind of being deep in this like this scene. And I remember it was one of our earliest shows there at The Spill. I had a moment, I remember, where we were playing at a show at The Spill and and our friend Connor was playing. And it was like a smaller version of, of the regular band. And I remember they were playing this song, Anita. And there were all these kids that were like these fairly familiar faces. Um, who are all really great friends of ours now. And uh, I remember walking like through the crowd as like everybody was like super engaged and they were playing this song. And um, there there's this key moment towards the end of the song where the lyrics go, hey, Peter, nice to meet you. And everybody in the, it felt like there were thousands of people there all screaming these lyrics at the same time, even though it was like just a group of like maybe 20 to 30 kids. And it was like, this crazy special moment that like for me just like really clicked and it was like wow there, like there is i don't know it, it felt like it was one of those moments that really just felt like there there's a real thing to be like attained with this and and yeah that song just like is an incredible memory of of such a special time for this band
0: yeah. Well, and there's nothing like, you know, a gig and a, like playing gigs in a college town, honestly, like uh, just, just the kind of the energy that you can get out of people. And just the, just like, frankly, also the fact that like, they're so keen to book new bands and also just that you get like a fairly consistent crowd kind of no matter who's playing. It's such a good totally, man, for, and you know, band like band to their teeth. And like
2: Hell yeah. being like, you know, into music uh, as Luke and I were, you know, there's, we had our fair share of the types of people in high school that obviously we didn't really get along with that well. And it it was one of those things I remember, like we'd play shows at the spill and then maybe like the other crowd might have walked by, like, cause the spill, like right behind where the stage was was a window. And like maybe like someone who would think it's funny or dorky to play music would walk by and like kind of make a face, but I would always be able to just look back and like see this amazing, like group of people that made me feel like, just these, uh, just as secure as it felt to just be hanging out, me and Luke, in, in the basement. You know, what I mean, it was a pretty, pretty special time.
1: That place was the mecca, and sad that it's gone. But um, it, it was really important to a lot of musicians, and I think that this, there's a generation of of bands coming up now that uh, the spill is directly responsible for.
2: Once upon a time in a scary place, a little scary man with a scary face. And I know that
1: there's a reflection of you. Look
2: out, here he comes, that big scary man, the big scary gun. And I know that
1: he's going for you. Name is Peter am I wanna meet him. Got a map light the
2: world. There's no limit of people I know. There,
1: he's got his eyes on you. Whoa, oh oh, 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 look out! You act tough. Your big guy moves won't compare. Enough, you know that you're nothing but a fool.
0: Um, all right, so. Uh Speaking of hip hop, Black or the Berry, Kendrick Lamar, this one, you know, when you have songs like this, you know, you don't even know where to begin. Um, what, uh, what do you guys like about the song?
1: This song blew my fucking mind. Like, I guess, I guess there's a couple things to unpack here. Maybe first we'll say like instrumentally uh, the production is so heavy. I, I heard the song at a time in my life where I, I kind of had had written hip-hop off in my head like i thought that it was like what people that didn't like rock music listen like not my kind of people like like the kids at school like that would go to parties like they'd listen to hip-hop at parties and i don't know i i I didn't really give it a chance for for a while until there was like certain artists like kind of brought me into it and then one night i heard this song um actually I, i heard this whole record uh, but this song was the one that really hit me, because um, musically it's kind of like that Doorman track we, we referenced. Like, yeah, it, it's kind of just a rock song. It's it's so incredible the way those drums are hitting and like that crazy bass line, and then the melodies that Kendrick is singing, the vocal layers and everything. Like, it's an incredible production, um, and uh, and then lyrically, it's, uh, um, like I don't know, I it's hard to even describe just how, how poignant and how powerful those lyrics are. Um, and hearing it is just like, I, I honestly, maybe even still, I don't know if I've heard music that is so true and honest and just like real like that. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was like Eden and I's go-to like driving in the van track for a little while. Um, it just like fires you up. And then if, if you want to like, take a step back and listen to the lyrics it's like something to really i don't know lose yourself
0: this is is only that we we used to talk a lot about on the show but we haven't in a while so i'm down to revisit it um van songs like songs to get you stoked for a gig um ian what's uh what's another go-to one for you
2: um hmm oh man we've listened to so much music in the van it's so hard like (laughs) Oh, my God. That that might be... I I always have a hard time coming up with things on the spot, um, which is awesome that we were able to compile this list uh, beforehand (laughs) because there would have been a lot more, uh, uh, but let me try to think. Luke, if you have one, feel free.
1: I think that it's tough to nail them down because there's a lot of different things that get us fired up. Sometimes, like, like stuff that maybe... (laughs) i don't know you shouldn't get you fired up like i have this one incredible memory of driving somewhere in cleveland um oh my god like after playing this festival we were all kind of tuckered out but we had to make it to oh i think god, we had to yeah. make it to new york <laughs> if i'm not mistaken It's not um, an easy drive. and like and uh we were listening to just like like not songs that rock but songs that fucking just rock right um and we listened to uh I think it I, I think it's just called a hard place" by her okay, a hard place or, or just hard place I don't know, but that song it was such a vibe and I, and it honestly like um it kind of like catalyzed that drive, and like, totally, everyone was very awake after that track, and then it was just banger after banger yeah. after banger, <laughs> and we made it to New York in no time.
2: That's one of my. That's one of my. You know, that's one of my favorite band memories ever, man. Honestly, I'm like the the energy. It was like playing an amazing gig. Like the energy in the room after that track was like it just shifted the whole the whole momentum of the night. <laughs> that's a nice one. Good one. Yeah, Ian.
0: Any uh, any luck on on. I'm thinking
2: of one. I mean, that one really hit me hard, what Luke just yeah. said. I remember there was another, some other drive where Billie Jean really went off. Like, oh. I, I think I played oh, Billie Jean yeah. and Luke got so fired up and I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is dope, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why I played Billie Jean, but it was so fun.
1: I remember that too, <laughs> I went, that was sick. Love it. This drum.
2: Yeah, yeah for real. I'm the biggest hypocrite in 2015 Once I finished this, witnesses will convey just what I mean Been feeling this way since I was 16 Came to my senses You never liked this anyway your friendship, I meant it I'm African-American I'm African, I'm black as the moon Heritage of a small village, part of my residence Came from the bottom of mankind My hair is nappy, my is big My nose is round and wide You hate me, don't you? You hate my people, your plan is to terminate my culture You're need evil I want you to recognize that I'm a proud monkey You vandalize my perception um all right so we're going to talk
0: about ready the prince uh and torn up now i want to ask you guys about this thing called new rock mafia um I've done some reading on it, but I'd love uh, if you could explain to the listeners what New Rock Mafia is.
1: Hell yeah. I guess I'll just preface this by saying that pretty much every time we're asked this question, we give a, a different response, okay. all in the same uh, <laughs> yeah. the same vein. But right, right. It's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be this open-ended thing. Yeah. But, but it, the real purpose is that it's supposed to be like a, a collective that really anyone can be a part of it's it's supposed to be very inclusive and focused on uh first and foremost like guitar music that is real and honest and it's not like that major label funnel cookie cutter thing that's designed to make money um you know it's it's real people telling real stories it's kind of like it's supposed to be like guitar music that's the essence of of what guitar music and rock music started out as and is supposed to be and uh and then and then secondly it's it's focused on the audience and um i think this is where it's this is part of the reason why it's so open-ended now is that um as like we started kind of using this term and like quote unquote started this collective um with with uh i should say it's like our band uh this band called ready the prince who is the song we're going to talk about and uh zig mentality who we've already referenced um it started out of realizing that we were all really on the same page about what we wanted to write songs about and who we wanted those songs to be for. Um, and then, yeah, it's so, so this audience is, has become such an integral part of it and they've almost helped us define it far more than right. we could have in the beginning. Like I think in the beginning it was kind of just a cool thing like to say and kind of made our bands feel cool, right. but they've turned it into like this really incredible community of artists of all shapes and colors and identities that are are like they kind of have like little hubs there's a discord and like there's an instagram account that's private and you kind of have to be like accepted to follow it um and they all like just kind of celebrate cool guitar music together there's kids starting bands wirelessly and like covering songs together through the internet and um, meeting up before shows and i mean we never ever wanted to start a fandom and I think that it's the furthest thing from a fandom, but, um, it does have that sort of cute, like,
0: yeah, it's it's like a fan club in like the very traditional kind of like 1970s, like, you know, newsletter kind of sense of the word, you know? Totally.
2: I think it's mainly the fact that it really, what has made NRM NRM is the, the fans and the, and the, the kids involved in it, I think that's what really allows it to not feel like it's, it's us referring to our fans by a name, like mm. NRMites, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Like they, they've embraced it like more than anyone and kind of made it like, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah,
1: totally. totally. Like we don't really talk about it unless we're asked about it. It's, it's like, it's their thing more than it is ours now, which yeah, yeah. is,
2: uh, it's special.
0: What an incredible thing. All right. Well, so then with that, um, what, do you, what do you like about this song?
2: We, we met Ready the Prince, uh, another one of those moments that really felt like fate. We were playing a, a show in Toronto in a bar underground to nobody. And Ready the Prince got added to the show last minute. And Ready the Prince, who was a pretty different band back then um, musically, and we pretty well immediately clicked and loved their music. And they were super into us. And we almost immediately really liked them as just as people. Um, and it, it was the beginning. This was like maybe back in 2016, maybe. Yeah, it just it, it sparked this awesome relationship. And uh, they're one of the, the best young rock bands out there to this day. And uh, this is just one of those songs that, I, for me personally, it's like it really uh, encapsulates uh, just our relationship with them and and how what you know when I think of Ray the Prince, I think of memories of of playing gigs with them and and screaming the words to this song and uh, yeah, it just rocks and they rock and uh, they're our best friends and and it's cool because they rock not just because they're our best friends but because they fucking rock, <laughs> you know. Yeah
0: like independently of that fact, like, it, it, which I guess makes it easier to be friends with them. <laughs> like yeah. And like, we've been,
2: should. we've been like, trying to put people like, since day one, we've been saying, if you don't listen to Ready the Prince, then you suck. Like, and obviously, like people don't suck if they don't listen to Ready the Prince, but they definitely, definitely, definitely should. Right. And uh, it it's funny that people probably more often than not have assumed that we just say that because they're our best friends but like truly we believe so hard that they're one of the dopest rock bands and best musicians like that we've uh ever known so it's yeah. it's uh yeah love yeah, those it's guys easy, it's and, easy and to
0: throw your way behind them
2: yeah they're yeah they're this the song rocks they rock that's that's my take
0: All right, so we're gonna get now into pop. Um, you know, another one of these bands where it's it's like it's hard to even know where to begin. Like, you know, and, and this song for me, you know, has been, you know, just so so impactful and so meaningful, especially just like you know, you, you always love hearing um, sort of bigger bands singing songs about places that that you know and that you grew up with and are familiar with. Um, what uh, what about this song does it for you guys?
1: Pup is such an inspiration to probably. You know what? Every person in this in the city of Toronto or the surrounding area—they are such an, a fantastic example of like being yourself, and then you know, like things working out. And uh, I think like even before it was before DVP came out, that we knew about Pup and and we'd heard them um, actually from like from searching on Spotify like Toronto bands <laughs> and like trying to like see like. I, I'm sure maybe I sent them an email at some point being like can we open for you or something <laughs> like mm-hmm. I feel like just in the like in the guitar band scene in Ontario like when when DVP dropped it was a thing oh yeah like highly anticipated and immediately impactful I I guess at the time we kind of considered them like heavy music right which is funny cuz like now I hear those songs and I you know I turn my head side to side as I listen to them like it, it's not it's not really what I consider heavy anymore. Yeah, it's
0: very poppy and melodic. Like, it, yeah, depending on your perspective, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. But at the time, it it felt like like cool music to like. Well, it still is very cool music to like. But at the time, it was just something new for us, especially. And um, that song was just exciting. And then when that when the record dropped, yeah. and if this tour doesn't kill you, transitions perfectly into DVP. God. That was a <laughs> mind blowing moment. Yeah. I remember, like, as soon as I heard that sending the record to Ian and being like dude the fucking first song goes perfectly into dvp like you won't believe this."
0: (laughs) well yeah even that um it's not the music video for if this tour doesn't kill you I will it's um the one where it's like the cartoon of them touring and it kind of goes back to something that we talked about earlier which is like the kind of you know Like the meteoric rise where it like in these like animations it shows them like playing to two people moshing and then like you know sleeping on people's floors so then like playing in front of like these massive crowds like what a testament to just kind of like this thing that you guys are going through like on on so many levels of what they're of what they're doing
1: totally it's like it's like uh they're just role models yeah and and i think they could they i think they knew it which is it's just dope. It's awesome to have someone to look up to like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like we we had the uh, we had um, Dens from the OBGMs on the show like a while ago, and so, he was like oh, yeah. he was saying just like how much of an influence those guys have had, just in terms of like like literally you know teaching them like how to write songs and stuff like that. Just, just I, I yeah. think that they are going to be one of these bands that like you know we look back on you know, ten, twenty years from now and just like look at all of like the crazy ripple effects that they've had on the city and like
1: absolutely totally. Yeah, check this out. Th- this is how good of guys they are. We were playing a we were organizing a house show in my basement. Yeah. Um, where I'm currently sitting right now, where like it was gonna be a big deal. It had Ready the Prince and Zig Mentality playing with us and we we had rented like two buses um where we we bust like I think it was like over a hundred kids to my house, dropped them off in my driveway and they came downstairs and uh, I built a stage and it was like full club PA. Like it was a legit, like really cool house show. And we were like, you know what? Like we gotta, we gotta make this that little bit more epic. What if we try to get pup to play? And it seemed like a total pipe dream, right? Because this is right before they dropped the, their last or the third record and uh like we knew like they had just put out like two singles and it was like clearly they're busy but we decided to give it a shot we knew they were dorks so we sent them uh like a cia folder um because we like our agent knew their agent with like uh like the like coordinates to my house and like this like like spy briefing being like we need you to come play this house show with us <laughs> and we can't offer you any money but we could like give you guys some beer and pizza if you want and it was like total like shot in the dark and almost instantly they were like if you don't post about it until afterwards we'll do it we were like yo okay so we played this show where like ready the prince played zig mentality played and then there was this big curtain that we put in front of the stage to like uh switch over between bands to kind of set up this incredible moment um and the curtain was drawn and everyone was expecting us to be the next band playing because it was like that was the bill yeah and I had the honor of pulling this curtain back. It was a giant tarp rigged up like a shower curtain. I pulled it back and I'm sure everyone in the front row like, was standing there like, what the fuck, I thought, I thought Luke's supposed to be playing. And as I pulled it back, Pup started playing and everyone, it was like this wave through shit. the room as people realized that Pup was in this basement and they were at a Pup show
0: in a basement like fuck dude that's that's like the dream it was
2: it was crazy
1: insane and ian did lights
2: <laughs> yeah i did light. yeah yeah dude and i was from the like from the back like seeing like it was like a tidal wave of reactions like is that pup? oh my god what the fuck is that pup and like i i could see it coming all the way from to the back of the room yeah yeah and uh it, yeah it was that's like one of the, the coolest nights of all time man
0: but also, like, what a funny little secret for for those listening. That if you want to get popped to play your house show, pretend that you're the CIA and and keep it keep it on the DL, and they'll fucking do it.
1: Just do something extremely dorky. Yeah, and yeah. They're likely to respond.
0: That's crazy. Holy shit, man. That's that's fucking epic. What I would have it given. It was so to be cool. There. That's that's. And then great. we
1: were we were like thanking them after like just being like, man, like we can't thank you enough. And they're like, oh, it's all good. it's cool. We had so much fun. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: like you gotta love that level of sincerity. Like that—that's something that for me has has always kind of struck me about them. Is just like you—you y- love it when you see a band that are like big and they seem just as surprised about it as anyone else, and they're just kind of. But they and they kind of keep that sort of small band sort of mentality.
1: Totally. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, it's the This won't get out! You just looking fleaking asked it! Sweepers are so messed up! Get drunk and catch up! She's not gonna
2: drink too much! I'm not She
0: hate my god! She gets a tea, bro! Um, alright, well we are we're about to wrap up, but we're gonna talk about your song, The Drake. Um and this one's interesting because, you know, like w- when, I, when I saw the title, I immediately assumed it was about the Drake in Toronto. Um, and as it turns out, I, I was correct, but, but only kind of, um, and, and, and it kind of goes back to something that we were talking about earlier with just like, you know, people who were dicks to you in high school for liking the type of music that you liked, certainly something that resonates with me. Um, but I guess I would just love, uh, you know, to hear it. You hear it straight from you guys. Uh, what's the song about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that the song is about a show we played, kind of shortly after we had seen like that little bit of Spotify success at the Drake Hotel in Toronto. It, there was a little bit of pressure on the show. It was like our first. We just got an agent. It was his first time seeing us, and we knew that there was like some new, like, like actual fans uh, coming out that had heard us on Spotify. And yeah, like we we felt like we, there was a lot of people to win over and kind of a point to prove to ourselves, like, yo, we're, we can do this. Um, and also the Drake is a beautiful venue and it was our first time playing that room and we wanted to make the most of it. Um, and so there was a lot of anxiety around that because we're, we're kind of naturally too nervous guys. Um, this added pressure was just kind of tripping us out. Uh, things were all right. Like, I think we were set to have a, a pretty decent set. Uh, but, like, shortly before we went on, these this group of guys from high school, not all of them were were bad guys, um, but there was one specific guy there who was, like, the epitome of a high school bully. Yeah. Uh, they showed up to this show and were like, yo, like, we saw Hometown's blowing up. We just want to come out and support. Which I think was true. Yeah. But the the thing with it was that we just didn't want them there. And, right, yeah. and music had always been our escape from these kinds of people. Yeah. In high school, they, they like actively made fun of us for having bands. Um, and for them to come now that we had seen a little bit of success, it was like uh, just a bad vibe. And so we went up and the set was just kind of rocked with nervousness. And things came to a head when uh, a mosh pit started in the front and uh the this main you know bully uh suddenly like he's never been to a rock show he's only ever been to like like boots and hearts country festival so so (laughs) i know the type he doesn't know what a mosh pit is um and suddenly there's a little mosh pit happening and he thinks that like seven people are trying to fight him simultaneously and so like with a beer in one hand he he grabbed one of our like best friends uh who's like a pretty small guy and and like was like holding him in like this chokehold, and suddenly like two of our other friends ran in, were like trying to break up this fight, all while I, we're playing hometown and I'm singing the line, uh, somehow they make it to all of my shows. Now where can I go? Right, right. Like it's just this Damn. crazy moment of irony. Literally, that's exactly what the song was about. Um, or that that lyric. And it's like unfolding in front of us, and we're so nervous that we just kept playing because we didn't want to like stop. We didn't realize we had the power to tell tell all those guys to fuck off like um it was just like it was just a horrible night but like shortly after it became a funny story like yeah yeah. we look back and it's like wow like as if that happens um yeah but yeah that's that the drake is probably about our worst show ever
0: right (laughs) well i mean it's certainly a thing that i think resonates with a lot of folks i mean i i certainly remember there were like a couple of shows that like i like I, i was You know, I I booked a lot of shows in high school and I remember like, you know, just the dickheads from my high school would like turn up to them from time to time. And it was just kind of like, come on, like this, this is like supposed to be my thing without you. You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. I I even remember hearing like um, interviews with fans around the time that Green Day was like first blowing up in the 90s where people were literally saying like, these jocks who used to shove us into lockers for liking punk music are now at the gigs. Like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, you don't just get to do that. Mm. (laughs) Like, you can't just flip that switch. But, well, you know, I mean, uh, I guess, Ian, how long did it take um, before it sort of
2: became funny?
0: (sighs) And, like, kind of a lighter thing?
2: I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It definitely, for me personally, it definitely... Uh, stuck for a little while like we've had we had friends to kind of be able to laugh about it with and you know i don't think it yeah yeah. really negatively affected us uh too too far beyond the night and you know it feels like we're better off now
0: yeah you got a great song Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and i think the best songs come from the realist experiences and yeah i think this is an amazing example of that
0: guys well uh that's it um but you know at the end of these things we like to get guests to to plug their latest uh you know projects releases tours you've got a new album coming out
1: hell yeah our debut album is called bummer and it's out june 4 2021 that might have already happened or not (laughs) but if it hasn't get excited if it has please check it out stay excited (laughs)
0: yeah yeah Yeah. always be excited
1: yeah, just just never stop being stoked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, you guys. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Thank, Thank you so much, Alex.
0: Thanks very much to Ian and Luke for joining us on the show this week. The show is produced by myself, Alex Anderson, and Hilary Johnston. Theme music is composed and performed by Duncan Briggs and Sugar Glass. And you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts or at havingachat.com. And if you like what we're doing here, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. Otherwise, until next time.